0: Computer, initialize Hollow Suite. Hollow Suite
1: Media! Okay, so we are back with Ladies Trek Library. I'm Gavora, and I'm here again with Jen. Hello, Jen.
0: Hi, Gavora. Great to be back.
1: Okay, so our book this month is Star Trek The Motion Picture The Novelization by Gene Roddenberry And so on the back of the book It says The Great Murder of the Galaxy Writes a Star Trek novel The writer-producer who created Mr. Spock And all the other Star Trek characters Who invented The Starship Enterprise Who gave the show its look, its ideals Puts it all together again here in his first Star Trek novel. Their historic five-year mission is over. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, and all the crew have scattered to their other jobs or other lives. Now, they are back together again in a fabulously refitted USS Enterprise as an incredibly destructive power threatens Earth and the human race. And then the book has the credits from the movie uh, so this one doesn't really say much about the plot, but I think people want to read it because, I mean, because it's for the movie and because hey, this is the first one written by Gene Roddenberry, and I think the only one.
0: Yeah, that was uh, well. I I always enjoy the novelizations anyway, but the fact that it was written by Gene Roddenberry was another uh, reason that made this uh, more interesting. So you get an idea of, um, you know, his views on things and i think we're going to talk later in our discussion about canon but it uh you know we know that the novels aren't canon but since this one was written by gene roddenberry uh, gives you an idea of what he maybe wanted to be canon
1: yes and uh the things he threw in this book um yeah there there were i mean it, it really stuck closely to the movie and and like a lot of the the lines and all were exactly from the movie but there were a few things um that he threw in the book that were not in the movie. I know know one thing was the saying that Captain Kirk and all the Starfleet officers have this implant in their minds. And so Kirk could actually see the the destruction of the Klingon ships that happened at the beginning of the movie.
0: Yeah, the implant was really interesting. That was a surprise because it wasn't in the movie. And I don't recall ever reading another novel where uh, those type of implants were mentioned. So that was interesting um, and also, uh, in the beginning, when Kirk uh, receives that message through his implant, he's um, he's on Earth, but he's in Gibraltar. And it's kind of like Roddenberry's uh, idea of what the planet is going to be like in the future, uh, where there's, you know, the Mediterranean Sea no longer exists. It's been drained, and um, some of the land masses we know are, uh, have come together so it's kind of interesting
1: yes the 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 scenery the fact that people can just travel more easily in the future um but but the idea of the implant it just seems like i mean i mean i wonder if that's something that he intended to use later or something because he he never used it later it was never in star trek on the show or in any of the other movies
0: yeah, it does make you wonder um if that was something that he wanted to use why wasn't it used um later, you know, in like TNG or Deep Space 9 or Voyager? Um you know where yeah, Kirk was still alive. Um, yeah, interesting. Or if they
1: just thought it wasn't feasible. <laughs> um and then of course the uh the woman Lori Sienna, who was a, an admiral she she was in this novel as someone that Kirk was involved with and then she she was in the transporter accident in the movie. There were, you know, there was a transporter accident that we knew had Commander Sonak and a woman. I think they just called it Sonak and his party or something. So, so the book reveals that that was this woman that Kirk had a romantic relationship with.
0: Yeah, that was interesting too. Although I, even though I had not read this book before. Um, that character has been used in a lot of the other novels. So I was familiar with her as a character and in other novels, you know, she was uh, involved with Kirk and Kirk's wife for a time in like a contract relationship. But, but yeah, the movie never mentions who was the person who was killed in the transporter accident with Sonak. So we don't know. So it was
1: interesting. And, And speaking of that, wasn't that accident terrible? That, that was like one of the most horrible scenes we've ever seen on Star Trek. I mean,
0: yeah, it, and it was actually, I think, worse in the book than in the movie, which is, you don't normally yeah. say that. It's normally on screen, something's <laughs> worse, but like he really went into detail about the agony that they were going through and describing how they were being torn apart. And I was kind of reading it like, oh.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah, that you that could see their organs or something. It was, yeah.
0: Yeah, disturbing. Um, but another interesting uh, thing in the beginning, uh, although it, it, it actually wasn't the first time used, but uh, Kirk makes use of something that's sort of like a hollow suite, which we did have in the animated series, although you know, I guess now it's considered canon, but it, for a while that wasn't it was up for, you know, up in the air whether the animated series was canon. So there's a hollow suite, and then um, Kirk talking to uh, some of the admirals in Starfleet as holograms. And that made me think about, is that where the Discovery writers uh, got the idea from that they had read this novel where Kirk is using the, you know, talking instead of on a screen to holograms? Because it's not used, again, it's not used later on in TNG or Voyager. Deep Space Nine doesn't come back until uh, Discovery.
1: Yeah, which is in the past, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is interesting that they did that. And, of course, they tried to explain it on Discovery, too, by saying Pike Pike took those out because he didn't like them. So that's why they didn't use them again for a long time, which still doesn't really work for me. But OK. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so another thing that, you know, the movie, I mean, or in the book, they had this interesting scene where Spock went to meditate. And he's like there was some kind of an alcove where he could go to and sit quietly and meditate. And that part wasn't in the movie. I just thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's right. I now realize, I, as I was reading it, I was trying to keep in my mind, was this in the movie or not? And I had seen the movie a while ago, and I couldn't remember a lot of the details. Um, and then I saw it again uh, in September when they re-aired it for the 40th anniversary. But like, I actually, <laughs> I fell asleep at the theater. Not for oh, a you long did time. <laughs> this time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I have been up late at night and it was like, at two o'clock was the showing time. And it was just like, I was, it was like 90 degrees out. I was really tired. I feel It was like, I think it was the part like where, I don't know if it was in the beginning where, you know, it's like the very long scene where they're going up to the, you know, him and Scotty are heading up to the enterprise. But I, I remember like, Oh wait, Oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not,
0: it's not that I hate the movie. I know it's a lot of people really don't like it. And and it's actually, I mean, it's not, it's not my favorite um, movie, Star Trek movie, but it's, it's not my least favorite either.
1: Well, um, it's, it's slow in some parts. So y- I mean, yeah, everybody says that, and and I get it too. I mean, I know it was, um, and um, I mean, that can be the next thing we talk about, just about how it was. Um, the the book was paced a lot better, just because you don't have to to sit through all those long visual scenes, because the book just keeps the pace going.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I now, of course, there's different versions. Like I've seen the you know the direct the extended version or whatever you know the longer one where the Scene with Kirk and uh, Scotty going up to the Enterprise. It 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 feels like it takes forever watching it, but reading it in the book, it actually it didn't take that long. It was actually pretty quick, and I was like, oh yeah, it's it's a much faster pace in the book than the movie.
1: Yeah, there's always something happening in the book, and then and and also the the long scenes where they're going through Voyager, and and they're just looking at, at things inside as they're as they're going through, and and that's like. You know, you know, I mean, it's nice to look at, but it's a little too long. You're just thinking, can't, can't we get on with it?
0: Yeah. Um, but I, I also thought that in a, one thing that made it better than the movie. And I, I mean, I guess to me, maybe books are always better than movies because you can do so much more in a book that you can't do on screen. Um, but you got more more characterizations. Um, you know more idea of what's going on in the characters' heads, um, so that that made it more interesting too. Whereas I think on screen, a lot of it you just didn't see that as much.
1: Yeah, with the book, you could it gets more into what the characters are thinking, and yeah. So, what did you think about the the character development and in, in the book compared to the movie?
0: Um, I liked it a lot better. Um, you know, it was interesting going into it. One thing I wondered about it was. In the movie, Kirk comes across as kind of a jerk. You know, he's comes along and he's very arrogant and taking the ship back from Decker. And you kind of I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, you know, he's, he's kind of got a big head. He's, he's really acting like a jerk. And I wondered reading the book, oh, would I think that he's less of a jerk, you know, reading his motivations. Um, but the book actually made him seem like more of a jerk because you could see he's, you know, even McCoy challenges him saying you know you're you're doing this because you want the enterprise back and it's not really because you think you're the best person from the job for the job and he kind of considers it and and he kind of admits it to himself that you know that that he's doing it but then at the end he's like well but i don't care you know i want want this shit back (laughs) so if i'm being a jerk oh well (laughs) i want to do what i want
1: (laughs) i I mean i felt like that too kirk was um you know was very stale in this and you know until the end he he was very determined in what he was trying to do um and and pushing decker the only what well, the the good thing about it is he does kind of you know later in the book he does kind of warm up to decker he starts um seeing that that decker is very competent even if he's young and inexperienced he he still was qualified to be the captain i mean you know he he can still do a good job as as captain of a ship
0: yeah, I think the book also made Decker look better than he did than in the movie. You know, because in the movie, you're, I think audiences were all kind of biased. You know, we yeah. love Kirk and you know, oh, this young guy, and you know, he's he's no no Captain Kirk. But but in the book, you realize he's really knows the ship well, and there are a few scenes where you know it's clear that he actually has a better understanding of of the new ship than Kirk, um, and that, that he is a really good leader.
1: Yeah, which embarrasses Kirk when about the wormhole thing when Decker's the one that knew the phasers would be cut off. And, you know, which brings up the point. I mean, Kirk was, yeah, Kirk was unfamiliar with the ship. So it is kind of strange that, that he did take command. But I guess he, you still have to go through all that and get through the movie and all. And, and it worked out. Um, and, and one other thing, the book does mention that, that Decker is the son of Matt Decker from the episode The Doomsday Machine.
0: Because everybody
1: picked up on the name Decker and wondered if he was related. And so the book finally reveals that, yes, it is his son.
0: Yeah, because there actually have been a lot of in a lot of the other novels where they they talk about that. Um, But, yeah, it's good that that he confirmed that that's why he chose the name. Otherwise, it would have been like kind of a big coincidence. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so um, what did you feel about Gene's writing? Do we think he's a good writer
0: You know, I thought it was really good. Um, There was a whole bunch of speculation. I'm sure you've heard a lot of people claim that he didn't really write it, that it was actually written by Alan Dean Foster and um, was the ghostwriter. But, I mean, apparently that's not true from what I've read, that that's just that was just a rumor. Um, I mean, I thought it was good. I, you know, I didn't know what to expect since Gene, you know, hadn't written novels. Um, But I thought he did a really good job with it.
1: He, well he uses an experienced writer because he's written a lot of t v shows um it, it was just like this is just his first novel um but but yeah, I thought it it was a good book and i think he i think I could kind of tell though that it was i mean somehow the the tone of it was just different from other books it, it maybe it took itself more seriously but but it was still a well written book and, and I have read a discussion of people saying that it's that, that that they can tell that it's amateurish and and so yeah it had to have been written by Gene and not by Alan Dean Foster. Well maybe but I still thought it was good though it was still it had um it had enough technical stuff it had enough character development that it that it made an interesting story. I mean it wasn't like it was you know it wasn't quite like fanfic it wasn't quite as bad as some people who who really have no writing experience.
0: No, and I mean, you know, yeah, Gene is an experienced writer, but of course you don't know how it's going to translate when someone who writes screenplay, which is really different than than writing novels. Um, yeah. You know, so, but um, I didn't, really, to me, it didn't feel amateurish. I thought it was good. I mean, it, yeah, it's not, you know, if I was looking at all the Star Trek books that I read, I'm not going to say he's up there with some of the best ones, um, but but I certainly thought it was good, and I wouldn't have, like, had I not known he was the author, if I just picked it up and read it, I wouldn't really think it was amateurish. Um, I thought it did keep yeah. pretty, pretty close to the movie. Um, so in the, in that sense, um, you know, if he had written a completely original story that wasn't on screen, you know, maybe then we'd have a better idea of, of how good of a writer he is as far as novels, whereas I think on this one he was trying to just... You know, to pick
1: the movie, right? Well, well, another thing. I mean, j- just to say, like, Gene put his mark on the book because that there was there was stuff. The scenes he wrote about sex in the book when they were talking about it. I mean, I mean, a lot of people think, yeah, you know, Gene wrote it because of all the stuff about sex and about Ilea and the oath of celibacy and other things that were in the book. Did you pick up on that?
0: Yeah, because you know that was the one thing when you. Sent so, I me mean, the outline for this, and you mentioned about uh, what was different in the movie, and I couldn't really remember. The, I was trying to keep them straight in my head. Was this in the movie or wasn't it? Like maybe it was, but the definitely the one that stood out to me is yeah. I mean, in the book, he he basically says that Decker had sex with the Ilea probe, which obviously was not in the movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so like,
0: kind of like it was did a to, movie. <laughs> right, did they need to put that in the book? <laughs>
1: Really, I mean, they re- they didn't even imply it in the movie. No.
0: But then you're reading
1: the book, and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, and it was a, I mean, so Decker did it with this probe. I mean, it wasn't even actually her. Yeah,
0: um, it's been creepy. <laughs> and, but
1: of course, and, he
0: did it. You know, in the book, he does it because, uh, you know, he's trying to. Uh, reach the consciousness uh, because Gene explains that Deltons. Uh, when you have sex with them, you can link your consciousness. I guess some, somewhat like a Vulcan mind meld. And jecker was trying to reach the consciousness of Vizier, and that's why he did it.
1: He did explain <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, oh sure, yeah. <laughs> but the way, the way, um, and and you know, there were, the book had a chapter that was from Vizier's point of view, and and it. And it said that it was more subtle in that part about the probe was experiencing something and V'ger just cut it off. And, you know, that was the time that that Ilea and Decker were together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that was a. And, and it I read it.
1: this book like when I was. Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, no you go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, I read the book when it first came out. I mean, I must have been 10 or 11 or something and. And, and But I, I do not remember that. I, 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 don't, I don't think I picked up on that as a child, you know, that that's what was going on there. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, but that was, you mentioned the point, point of view from, of V'ger, and that was one thing that I thought was cool about the book, because obviously you can't really do that in the movie, it did give us a little bit, not much, but a little perspective from V'ger. And that made it interesting to see, um, you know, its consciousness and how it, viewed humans and and why a little bit more understanding into why it viewed humans as an infestation because it just couldn't understand um that life existed in in that form i guess the same way what like we might not even the same way i mean i guess an example would be the way humans look at like an insect but it, it didn't even register that it, it was even an insect maybe like more like a a cancer cell or
1: yeah, something not yeah. I mean, I mean a much lower life form than itself is, is how it's all humans like or not even as a life form.
0: Yeah, as an infestation like a just yeah. yeah. So that was that was neat to to see that perspective and to see how it sort of gave a bit of Bajor's perspective from the time it left the planet of the machines and its journey, uh, you know, before it got to the Klingon ships and and you get a little background that shows you really how dangerous it is because before it even came into contact with the Klingon ships, it, it made it clear that it had come across some other worlds that were inhabited and it had, you know, basically destroyed all life on those planets because, uh, you know, it viewed them as a threat to its journey.
1: And, and that is, yeah, that, it, it, it really enhances the story to know that. I mean, because we didn't get any of that from the movie we didn't know about its past that it had done that
0: yeah it definitely enhanced the story
1: and, and another new thing in this book too th- was the um the idea of the new humans wasn't that something weird and i mean that like gene added that in and it's another thing that never was on any other version of star trek
0: yeah th- that you know he had these the beginning the book had like a pre uh, a preface by admiral kirk and then a, a preface by the author, by, by Roddenberry himself, who, you know, is pretending to be the, uh, the person has the, you know, documented the life of the five year mission of Star Trek. Yes. And so, um, and yeah, and he mentions, uh, Kirk mentions in the Kirk's preface about the, the new humans and the primitives and Kirk refers to himself and the other Starfleet officers as the primitives um, and talks about how, why the new humans don't make good space explorers because they become so fascinated with other life forms um, that they want to just, you know, uh,
1: join them or something,
0: join them. Yeah. Or not neglect their duties because they want to learn about other life forms. It it was, there wasn't enough on that. It was kind of confusing.
1: Yeah, it was. It was just I mean, it was just there. So so and so you have these people called new humans and they're supposed to be like more advanced people. I'm not sure if they were genetically enhanced like Khan's people, but they're I kind of took it as they it was just oh, they did say it was something like it was a whole group. They were not individuals. They were a group that, you know, they didn't see themselves as individuals. They were part of a group. And and they just didn't make good sp- space explorers. It you know was something interesting to think about, if nothing
0: else. Yeah, and I have the quote here where he he says, uh, Kirk is talking about we meaning we Starfleet officers um, are not part of those increasingly large numbers of humans who seem willing to submerge their own identities into the groups to which they belong. Um, now, having seen the movie and knowing what happens, I mean, it's clear. To me, you know that he's talking about that we're gonna end up meaning that Decker is one of these new humans because he ends up submerging his i you know identity. Um, but oh, if you had, okay. but if you hadn't seen the movie and you just read this, it, it's like I kind of he doesn't really elaborate, and it's just like you know it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: Okay, yeah. So, um,
0: oh, so but we think it. Oh, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say one other part in the beginning that's interesting because it kind of gives you an idea about Gene's ideas about the future. So I had mentioned, uh, you know, he thinks the Mediterranean Sea has been drained and people are now, you know, doing all these different sort of technologies. But he mentions that uh, the male surname has become rare. Um, And so that Kirk and other Starfleet officers who are these primitives are the few people who continue to use a male surname. But then he doesn't elaborate and it makes you wonder, so what are other people using? Are they using a female surname or not a surname? (laughs) It was kind (laughs) of an interesting (laughs) little, you know, and then another little interesting bit in there when he's talking about uh, uh, Laurie Siana is, you know, he mentions that they were in like a contract marriage and that gets picked up a lot in the novels. And I guess they all got it from reading this book. Because um, I've seen a lot of the earlier uh, Star Trek novels from like the 80s where there's this idea of when you get married, you're, you sign a marriage contract for a year or two years or whatever. And then you have you either renew or don't renew. And so it seemed like that was Jean's idea of where marriage was heading in the future.
1: Yes. Yeah, I got that, too. And and it and it has been used before. And I, I just thought, well, I, I don't know. I don't really want to do that I wouldn't want that to be how we do things but it must have been how Gene thought, thought things should be because we know he had that first marriage that didn't work out right. yeah. so yeah putting some of his personal things into it
0: or just so, maybe like a hippie-ish view of the future you know where people right? imagine, yeah
1: I mean like he did yeah like it's like he threw a lot of the stuff in because he thought that the future would be that way I guess but then it, it didn't really uh, go, go into the story because the story was completely different. Yeah. So um, what do you think like from the book that should be canon? So, well, we mentioned a lot of the stuff in the book that wasn't in the movie really never became part of Star Trek, never was really used in it.
0: Yeah. I well, I think, um, I, I don't know. It's hard to say since should, should the whole book be considered canon since it was all Ron Mary's ideas and maybe he, wanted all of it to be on screen, but there just wasn't time. I mean, it was, you know, considered a long movie anyway, and then they had to cut stuff out. Um, But, like, you know, you could at least say uh, Decker being Matt Decker's son. um, Laurie Sienna.
1: Yeah, what was Kirk's um, wife for a year. Yeah, things like that. Um, The other things yeah I guess, I guess that the the part the, the meat of the novel, the parts that were in the movie, all of that you know works with Canon pretty well and it has for years so so I guess the extra parts of the book were you know not as necessary. it was just something that makes the story better for us,
0: yeah, and I guess a bit about Spock I mean because we do get a little bit more background on this about. Um, Spock's experience going through the Kulinar and it was a little different than in the movie because in the book um, on the one hand so the movie makes it seem completely like Spock is you know he's about to go through the final ritual of the Kulinar and he, he feels that Earth is in danger because he recognizes the consciousness of Beecher. it's calling out to him and that is in the book but also in the book Um, Spock feels Jim's Conscious he feels Kirk's uh, Fear you know that the earth is going to be Destroyed and I don't really Think I don't remember that being in The movie where you you got that So that was a little different And of course he calls him The you know in the Book he uses the word um, Which I don't know how to pronounce um, Tahila Yeah
1: yeah, that's what I say.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean,
1: I picked up on that word the first time I read the book, and so I and I always remembered it because I thought it was neat. Yeah, a new Vulcan word that they never used again.
0: Yeah, and it makes you wonder. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Of course, you know, in the in, in his this book has some footnotes with editors notes that Gene has put in, and he mentions that um, it's a concept that means friend. Um, but it can also mean brother or lover. Now, reading it here, you know, I just imagined it to mean, you know, that he thinks of Kirk as a brother. And that's why he was able to sense his emotions um, from so far away. Um, but, of course, you know, a lot of people took up on the lover. And that's why we have a lot of the, <laughs> the slash pick. yeah. <laughs> But that and, has never picked up again. So that makes you wonder. Oh, that would be interesting if that sort of thing was canon.
1: And I, I did hear that the reason Gene put it in there was to to make sure that people knew that Kirk and Spock were were friends and and not lovers, because Gene was as people seem to think he was he was homophobic and and wouldn't want Kirk and Spock to be lovers. And and that and they it never was really hinted that they were lovers in any of the episodes.
0: No, and he actually says in here, uh, this is uh, Kirk saying, I was never aware of this lover's rumor, although I've been told that Spock encountered it several times. And then he, you know, goes on describing it a bit. Um, and then he and he ends up saying, also I would dislike being thought of as so foolish that I would select a love partner who came into sexual heat only once every seven years.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and... and... And then Kirk also saying that he's always been interested in now the way he said it, that that creature called woman in other like like he would never be interested in a man because he has always loved women, which and, and yeah, and that is the way he's presented on screen.
0: Yeah, it says, as for myself, although I have no moral or other objection other objections to physical love in any of its many earthly alien and mixed forms, I've always found my best gratification in that creature woman.
1: <laughs> I yes. was laughing
0: when I read that because I was like, Oh yeah. Jean's uh saying uh nope, that's not what I meant when I was uh writing these two characters. But you know, that's not gonna stop people from writing it.
1: But <laughs> <Right. laughs> so um overall impressions of the of the book.
0: I liked it. Um I thought it was a good companion piece to the movie um although it did not contain as much background at, like i've read the novelization the only other novelization that i've read of a movie is uh star trek five i've read novelizations of some of the episodes i mean usually you get a lot of more background detail um and this one wasn't as much but i still thought it was good and um i found i'd rather read the book again than watch the movie again <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I did think it was a good book um and and i've read the i've read i mean I, the other novelizations I read a long time ago i I actually think the others add added even more to the story than this one did um but this was still good um i mean it's not you know my favorite book or anything, but I think it was a good story, and it is worth reading um and it and because it i mean it does develop the characters more you kind of you know more about what's in their minds and what what drives them um i mean one thing about this story so it is more about kirk and spock and and a little bit of mccoy but the other like the other regular characters scotty uhura Chekov, and sulu like they're they don't really appear as much and i mean they don't really get any character development it's really more of a kirk spock story
0: yeah i agree um yeah and that's what, i meant the same thing as you were saying you, uh, of the episode in movie novelizations that i read this one has the least additional information the other ones i'll give you a lot more background to those episodes or movies and this one um not quite as much um and yeah it it's pretty much only uh kirk spock uh decker ilea um and and a little bit of chapel um so we get to see her a little more um i don't know if that's because you know she was uh (laughs) played by Jean's wife but um, still nice to see her again. And she actually got more character development in this, I feel like, than O'Hara, Scotty, and Chekhov. They really didn't get much. I'm Sulu. Yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, she, she appeared in the novel more, yes.
0: And uh, they brought. he also brought, I mean, she was in the movie, of course, but uh, brought back Janice Rand, so that was nice to see her back.
1: Yeah, j- just like a cameo, but it was great to see her. Yeah. Okay, so that's it then. So we've got two thumbs up for this novel. Great, and and the, and this novel was just, was of course it was just re released um, a couple of months ago. So I think everybody is rereading it now, and also because the movie was just re released.
0: Do you know? I have not. My copy is like an actual old copy, so it's from you know 1979. Um, I don't have the re-release, so I'm curious about whether the re-release contained any additional information.
1: Oh, you know, I haven't heard. But, um, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, we should actually have to look into that. Now, I'm, we were reading this in the Star Trek reading group as well on Facebook, and um, one of the other readers has – he has an older copy as well, but his copy contains stills from the movie – And he posted a picture of one of them. It was interesting. It was the transporter scene. Um, And in the movie, even in the transporter scene, it's really kind of fast and you don't see that much. But the stills actually kind of show these like two people like sort of moving in agony, kind of like more of described in the book. And that was in the still. So that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I do want to see that. I just I just I didn't want to do it until after we do this podcast. Cause I, you know, just so that I wouldn't be influenced by any of those, but I I do want to see that. (laughs) Okay. So I guess we're through. Um, So our book for January will be no time like the past by Greg Cox, a book that has um, Kirk and seven of nine. So we look forward to that. And thanks again, Jen, for coming.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me back. And I look forward to our next book. Um, you know, uh, Kirk a Kirk uh, seven of nine uh, matchup seems like something that might be in fanfic, but uh, Greg Cox is an excellent author. So I, if anyone can pull it off in a good way, I think he can.
1: Yes, he can do it in a way that um, that is honorable, and yes, and not to what down there in the mud or something, <laughs>
0: right? i'm sure there have been actually probably if we look now we could find quite a few uh, kirk uh, seven of nine fanfic stories that that are down in the mud
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our facebook group live long and may the force be with you nanu nanu